Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. PM 2.5 and air pollution. Why is it killing us? The PM stands for particulate matter, and you've probably heard of that over the years on your local newscast. The source of it comes mainly from coal and cars. When we burn coal, it releases CO2. And cars, of course, when they burn gasoline and diesel, they spew that into the air as well. 2.5 represents the size of the particulate matter. 2.5 micrometers is 30 times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. Particulate penetrates deep into our lungs, which causes heart and lung ailments if exposed to these things for a long time. How do we know PM 2.5 levels affect us? There's a chart, and you can go to World Air Quality Index, waqi.info. You can pull up a map of anywhere in the world, and it'll show the current levels of PM 2.5, PM 10, and other hazards in the air. There's also a chart of six different levels, from 0 to 100, little or no risk. Then it goes up from 101 to 200, where the air quality is acceptable for the general population, but moderate for people with health concerns. From 201 to 300, the likelihood of respiratory problems in sensitive individuals and children and the elderly are at risk. From 301 to 400 triggers a health concern for most people, and especially from 400 or above, Pretty much stay inside. Don't go outside. How about the air in the United States? In 2018, over 157 million people experienced at least 31 days of elevated 2.5 or PM10. In Pittsburgh, they suffered 90 days of unhealthy air. What are countries doing to clean the air? Many cities in Europe prevent vehicles from entering the city during restricted hours. Barcelona, Milan, Rome, Venice, London, among them. In France, every car must get a sticker and put that on their rear window. The sticker is based on how much pollution the car emits, allowing cleaner cars access to certain parts of the city. Let me think about this for a second. How many famous towers can I name? There's the Eiffel Tower. There's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The CN Tower. The Space Needle. It's not technically a tower, but it is a tower. That's just to name a few. But what about the smog tower? You think I'm kidding, but I'm dead serious. In Beijing and Delhi, those cities built smog towers ranging from 40 to 330 feet high. They soak up pollution out of the air. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine driving down a city in the United States and seeing a big tower with just like a giant vacuum cleaner? Instead of fixing the root problem, let's go to our reporter in Delhi to check on the air quality. The air quality index is a staggering 644 today. What can you tell us about the air today? (coughs) 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 It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Our first climate hero is Sam Benshahib. 
born in Indonesia, moved to Paris when he was seven, and graduated from Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. Recently, Sam ran from New York City all the way to Los Angeles. It took him five months. He ran 20 miles per day, six days a week. Why would anyone do that? Sam did it to raise awareness about plastic pollution in the ocean. Even his running shoes were made from upcycled plastic. Sam is the co-founder of Make a Change World. Go to the website and read all about him and his family. Also a big shout out to his brother Gary for his relentless efforts to help clean the world and his sister Kelly. Our next climate hero goes to a group of students from the University of Sherbrooke in Quebec, Canada. They invented Hula One, a machine that sucks sand off the beach and filters out microplastic. Think of it as an enormous vacuum cleaner rolling along the beach, scooping up sand and removing the plastic. The students went to one of the dirtiest beaches in the United States, Kamiku Beach in the Big Island of Hawaii, last spring. Sure, they couldn't have gone in New Jersey or along the shores of Lake Erie. These kids are smart. They convinced someone to send them all the way to Hawaii. Great job, kids. True climate heroes. We'll keep tabs on them to see how Hula One progresses and whether it becomes a standard for beaches around the world. Now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. Our first climate villain is the music star Meatloaf. This was a tough one for me because Meatloaf's 1977 album, Bad Outta Hell, was and still is one of my favorite albums of all time. Each of the seven songs are timeless classic rock and roll hits. However, Meatloaf makes the list because he went too far talking about Greta Thunberg. In early January, he said, I feel for Greta. She's been brainwashed into thinking that there is climate change, and there isn't. She hasn't done anything wrong, but she's been forced into thinking that what she is saying is true. Wow. What can we say? One, I love Bad Outta Hell. Two, I loved Meatloaf in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Three, trashing Greta? The best way to describe my feelings are, hey, Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. Maybe he's mad because Greta's a vegan. At Hitsville, USA, the famed recording studio in Detroit, Michigan, home of Motown, Barry Gordy guided the careers of many of the iconic figures in music. Stevie Wonder, Smokey Robinson, The Temptations, Diana Ross and the Supremes, and many others. Among the top of the pack was Marvin Gaye. Gaye had huge hits with Motown, songs like I Heard It Through the Grapevine and I'll Be Doggone and Ain't That Peculiar. Gaye sang duets with Tammy Terrell, and their songs topped the charts. You're All Need to Get By, Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing, and Your Precious Love were smash hits. When Tammy Terrell died of a brain tumor in 1970, Marvin Gaye fell into a deep depression and stepped away from the business to deal with his emotions. When he returned, he told Barry Gordy that he couldn't go back to singing happy-go-lucky love songs. He'd moved on to another place. Gordy urged him not to push things too far and stick with the tried-and-true songs that brought both of them fame and fortune. But Gay was determined to carve his own path forward in the business. Gay said, In 1969 or 1970, I began to reevaluate the whole concept of what I wanted my music to say. I was very much affected by letters from my brother that he sent from Vietnam, as well as the social situation here at home. I realized that I had to put my own fantasies behind me if I wanted to write songs that would reach the souls of people. I wanted them to take a look at what was happening in the world. Gay released the album, What's Going On? The title song 
was inspired by police brutality. Inner City Blues and Save the Children were also important songs in that album. And the reason I chose Marvin Gaye today was for the song Mercy, Mercy Me, also known by some as the Ecology Song. Here are some of the lyrics. Where did all the blue skies go? Poison is the wind that blows from the north and the south and the east. Oil wasted on the oceans and upon our seas. Fish full of mercury. How much more abuse from man can she stand? Gay's epic album was released in 1971 and became a huge hit. In 2003, Rolling Stone magazine called it the sixth greatest album of all time. We need more artists to step forward, and many have. I'll continue to tell you their stories in the future. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. It's time to check on the current carbon dioxide level in the atmosphere. I'll refer to it as CO2 on the show. In a few minutes, we'll head out to the Mauna Loa Observatory in Hawaii, where the staff of volunteers takes daily readings. First, a little history of the CO2 level. Most climate scientists believe CO2 levels of 350 parts per million is a safe spot for us. There's no denying that burning fossil fuels is the main culprit of rising CO2 levels during the Industrial Revolution and our use of coal to drive a huge percentage of our energy needs. This must stop. It's not going to stop overnight, but we're headed there, and I hope to see substantial changes in the next 10 to 15 years. Change is inevitable for everything. We don't, we don't use whale oil anymore. At some point in our history, there was a nice man living in Boston who sold whale oil. That was his job. He probably worked his butt off, hustling to make a living for his family. He'd come home at night, tell his wife and children about his day. Perhaps he landed a new account to sell his product, and the family gave him hugs and kisses. But then something changed. The mass hunting of whales forced ships to travel farther from home. And with less whales to hunt, the price of whale oil skyrocketed. Kerosene was a logical, cheaper replacement. As an added bonus, kerosene didn't smell as bad as whale oil. It didn't leave soot behind as a residue and had a higher quality of light. It could even be stored longer than whale oil. Now picture our determined whale oil salesman. He's got to go home and tell his wife that his product is reaching the end of its life cycle. That couldn't have been an easy time for him. That must have really sucked. He didn't do anything wrong, but the times changed. Keep in mind that as we attempt to end our grip on coal and gas... The men and women working in those industries aren't evil. They're just trying to make a living, just like the whale oil salesmen back in the day. It's the men, mostly white men at the top of these industries, that knew coal would cause the problems we're facing today. Their own company documents proved it, but they buried the reports and built an enormous, well-financed campaign to fight the truth. They're not going to just walk away from billions of dollars in revenue. Don't despair. Change is in the air just like the whale oil salesman in the 1860s. We crossed the 400 parts per million CO2 level in 2012. Most people were unaware of the risks of climate change, and not many people were talking about it. Most people were talking about Obamacare, Sandy Hook, or the sexual scandal at Penn State University. That was also the year we first heard the word birtherism. Well, it might have been 2011, but it really took off in 2012. I wonder what ever happened to the guy who tried to convince us that Obama wasn't born in the United States. Good Lord, what a blowhard. Last year at this time, the CO2 level was 411.37 parts per million. The CO2 level rises every year, threatening our future. 
Today, the CO2 level is at 414.73 parts per million. Let's go to our observer on the ground in Hawaii. God, I wish I was in Hawaii today. It was freezing here today. Hello, can you hear me? I have two great people for you to start following on your favorite social media networks. First one is Professor Catherine Hayhoe, H-A-Y-H-O-E. You can find her on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Who is she? She's a climate superstar. Don't believe me? Last year, Professor Hayhoe won the United Nations' highest environmental honor. It's called the Champions of the Earth. That is a cool title. I won a putt-putt tournament many years ago with my friend Cy. It doesn't quite compare, does it? Champions of the Earth sounds like a prize given to Batman or Spider-Man or Superman. In this case, she's Superwoman. Professor Hayhoe is the director of Climate Science Center at Texas Tech University. In 2014, Time Magazine named her in their list of the top 100 most influential people. Heck, I'm happy if I get Employee of the Month and a better parking spot. Professor Hayhoe's TED Talk about climate change has almost 3 million views. Please go to her YouTube channel and watch her show, Global Weirding. It'll be the best 10 minutes of your day and you'll learn things about climate change without feeling the need to take notes or do math. The professor has an easy way to get her points across, and you'll really like her presentation. That's one of the reasons she's worthy of following her. Here's another reason. In a recent tweet, she said, It's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day this year. So I asked, what is an environmentalist? My answer is, a human who lives on planet Earth, the source of all the air we breathe, all the resources we use, all the water we drink, and food we eat, and the only home we have. She's amazing. Next on the list is Steve Cutts. He's a great illustrator from London, England. I recently watched his three-minute video called The Turning Point. It was incredible. The video explores the destruction of the environment, climate change, and species extinction from a different perspective. Those three things together don't exactly sound incredible, but when you watch it, you'll love it. Telling you anything more than that would be a spoiler, and I'm not going to do that. You already know that Soylent Green was people. I'm not telling you about the end of the turning point. Once you watch it, you'll make everyone else in your house watch it too. I did. Yeah, I got the eye rolls from the kids. Oh God, Dad's at it again. Run for your life. Turn off the router. If you want to buy his prints or his illustrations, go to stevecuts.com. And now... It's time to talk about two products that might interest you. Each and every one of us will need to make some tough choices someday. Am I talking about metal straws? No. How about buying in bulk? Uh, not quite, although both are good choices. I'm talking about death, the Grim Reaper, burial or cremation. What are you going to do with your remains? The first company I want to tell you about is called Capsula Mundi. It's a biodegradable egg-shaped urn made with organic material with a low environmental impact. The urn is about 12 inches high and 9 inches wide. Looks like a giant egg from, uh, what was that movie, Dinosaur? Disney movie, long time ago? When you die, and if you choose cremation, your ashes are placed in the egg-shaped urn and planted as a seed in the earth. A tree chosen in life by the deceased will be planted on top of the ground and serve as a memorial for the departed. Friends and family can take care of the tree as it grows. 
If you think about it, it kind of makes sense. It takes a long time for a tree to grow. Then we cut it down to make a casket and stick it in the ground. This way, you help a new tree grow. The microorganisms in the body provide nutrients for the tree. Imagine a cemetery filled with beautiful trees instead of cold marble slabs. The trees aren't marked like a traditional grave. You use GPS to locate the trees. If you had any enemies in life, you wouldn't want someone to urinate on you after you died. I guess if a dog did it, you really couldn't fault the little fella, but a human being, that's gross. The company's working on one that can fit your entire body. The plan is that they're going to curl you up in a fetal position, just like how you started in this world. That's how you're going to go out, and they're going to plant you in the ground. Wow. You could even buy one for your pet. I'm not sure how I feel about this for humans, but I would definitely would have put my dog in one. Watching that tree grow would have been cool. When I was a kid, we put my pet turtle in a shoebox. That must have been so humiliating. The cost of these urns is about $500, and the full body size egg does not have a price yet. You know what, 500 bucks? I think my dog, he goes in a box. He doesn't go in an urn. Sorry, Bailey. I love you. Are you getting comfortable with the idea of turning your loved one into a tree? If so, you're really going to love the next one. Better Place Forests. Sandy Gibson started this company after visiting her parents' gravesite while buses and cars motored on by. When I visit my parents' gravesite, I can hear traffic whizzing by or the sound of a big truck. Better Place Forest skips the egg-shaped urn and mixes the ashes right into the ground at the base of a young, small tree. They have two choices. One overlooking the Pacific Ocean. That's neat or deep within a forest in the Santa Cruz Mountains. More forests in other states are in their plans. The costs range from $3,000 up to $30,000 if you want to reside near an old redwood. They have an entry-level price of $970 for those who don't mind spending eternity with strangers entering the soil of a community tree. Great. Even in death, it's all about location, location, location. A small round plaque is placed at the base of the tree that you choose. They also have a cool techie option. Remember, for everything you buy, there's always an extra option for an extra fee. Customers can get a digital memorial video made. When you go to visit the tree, you can scan the placard and watch a short video of the deceased talking about their life. These are not the only green funeral options, so look around and see if a non-traditional burial is right for you or your loved one. But I'm just one person. What can I do to help? I hear that question a lot. I want you to make one phone call. Just one. Can't be that hard. We make phone calls all day long. We call our internet provider and wonder why the signal froze, or we beg them to get the NFL red zone for free for one year, or we threaten to cancel our service. The new subscribers get it. Why can't I get it? We wait on hold for 10 minutes with our bank. We have to enter our username, password. Then we get disconnected and we try again. We put the call on speakerphone so we multitask and listen to Christopher Cross sing Sailing for five minutes before we get disgusted and hang up. At the song or the wait, I'm not sure. Maybe both. If you're a young man, it's much harder to call a girl than it used to be. When I was younger, much younger, when I started to call a girl on the phone if I wanted to forget the whole thing, I could just hang up before the call connected. Does this sound familiar? I want you to make one call to Congress, and you can do that by going to your apps and putting in fivecalls.org or going to your computer, putting in fivecalls.org. And when you get there, choose your location, 
and issues that are important to you. There's many on the screen right now in front of me. I'm going to demand the House subpoena John Bolton to testify. On the screen, it gives you two or three paragraphs about what happened and the phone number of who to call. In my case, it's Representative David Joyce, Republican in Ohio. gives you his phone number, 202-225-5731. It gives you a script that you can use that'll walk you through what to say in case you're not comfortable thinking about how to say it. I'm calling to urge Representative David Joyce to support subpoenaing John Bolton and other key witnesses to testify publicly and under oath in the House about their knowledge of that guy's abuse of power. The Senate GOP must not be allowed to stage a cover-up of that guy's criminal behavior. The public demands to know the truth. Thank you for your time and attention. If you leave a voicemail, make sure you leave your full street address to ensure your call is tallied. We all want Congress to represent us, and we get mad when they don't do the things we want, but what do we do about it? We swear at the TV. We complain about it over Thanksgiving dinner. This is a golden opportunity all of us have for free to call and let your voice be heard. Please do it. In case you were wondering, that guy is the president. I just don't like saying his name. Did you know we're on Twitter too? Connect with us there and get involved. That's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening. On the next episode, I'll tell you about wind turbines, and there'll be new climate heroes and villains to talk about, along with a movie review and more people to follow on social media. If you like what you heard, please click on the subscribe button. Good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been a breath of fresh earth. Thanks for listening.